Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hadley and welcome to another edition of the Viewfinder Podcast. Hope you're all safe, healthy, and doing well no matter where you're listening to the show today. My guest on this week's podcast is actor and filmmaker Susan Gallagher, who many of you know from her role as Lynn on Cobra Kai. Susan's acting credits also include roles on shows like The Outsider, The Haves and Have Nots, NCIS New Orleans, and Bloodline, as well as one of her most recent performances, that of her powerful depiction of a woman afflicted by Alzheimer's in the 2019 feature film, I'll Be Here for a While. Gallagher is also the founder of Her Little Red Productions, a female-owned and operated production company that's released projects like the acclaimed short film Portrait of a Woman at Dawn. The focus of this interview, though, is a remarkable LGBTQ web series called Queering. It's a show that's given Gallagher a chance to champion female-driven storytelling by female filmmakers and the opportunity to play a character unlike most featured in modern portrayals of the LGBTQ community, that of a woman coming out in middle age. Queering's second season, a co-production of series creator Letitia DiBortoli's Gancho Films and Gallagher's Her Little Red Productions, is now streaming on YouTube. Gallagher is also an associate producer of the series, and a feature film version of Queering is also in the works, with production targeted for sometime later this year in Brooklyn. In Queering, the character Gallagher plays is Val. Recently divorced and having dated another woman, Val announces to the world, through a viral video post, that she's bisexual. Her decision is praised by almost everyone except her lesbian daughter, Harper, played by Sofia Grasso, who herself struggles to comprehend why her mom is suddenly intruding on her turf. At the same time, Harper deals with the painful aftermath of her ex-girlfriend having dumped her, and Harper's friend, roommate Devin, played by Diana O, becomes a vital ally for Val as she enters the new world of bisexual life. Over both seasons of Queering, Val and Harper find that despite their different sexual preferences, the challenges and rewards of being comfortable in their own skin are as common as their familial ties. I'm proud to have Susan Gallagher as my guest now on the Viewfinder podcast. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Let's talk about your character, Val, in Queering. Talk about how you came to play her and the factors that attracted you to the role. I saw the, um, this webisode on Backstage.com, which is an online submission site for actors that don't norm the the producers of these projects don't normally want to go through agents and managers and so it's more of an indie kind of environment and so I've done work on projects that I have booked through backstage.com before and there's another one called actors access but anyway this one's from backstage.com out of New York and I saw the role and I just fell in love with it and I started doing some research on Leticia and I liked her style, and I love to support female filmmakers and female-driven projects. And I also love New York, and I'm, I'm there quite often. I mean, I'm not there right now because of the virus, but I'm normally there for many months out of the year. So I thought, well, this would be a great challenge to play a character like this. And I haven't seen a lot of these these stories out there, and I thought it was a story that that might interest people and maybe inspire some people and um, needed to be told. So I auditioned. I sent in a self-submitted tape audition, and then I got a call back, and I was already in the city, so I 
met with Leticia and she had me read with a couple of different actresses. And one of the actresses was Sophia Grasso, who does play my daughter Harper. And we just really clicked. And it was so funny because Diana O, who plays Devin, was also at this callback. And um, she had gone in with Sophia and there was just great energy and it just was meant to be. And it, it was just a great collaboration. And it's been a wonderful experience. So we shot five webisodes, short webisodes that you can see on for free on YouTube right now, Querying Season 1. And the webisodes are like, as you you found out, you know, five to seven minutes long. So it, yeah. it's it's easy to watch. And, you know, we've, we've had, you know, over a million, almost two million views. And it's done very well. It actually was selected to screen at South by Southwest Film Festival last year. So we were so honored to be part of that and got quite a bit of exposure and great feedback from those folks. And we are actually trying to start shooting, uh, querying the movie this spring in order to, to meet the deadline for the 2021 South by Southwest Film Festival. But everything is up in the air right now. So, you know, you can't worry about that. But um, we did do a second season for the fans, and we ended up doing, I think, six episodes of that. And we're we're just so proud of it. It's been a labor of love because it's so low budget, such a little budget. But everyone that's involved, from the talent to the crew, love this project and um, are proud to be part of it. What were some of the main challenges that you encountered in playing Val? Well, even though I'm I'm not bisexual, I've got bisexual friends. I've got a lot of gay and lesbian friends, and I'm very comfortable in that community. And I've seen the pain that people go through when when they're coming out, or in the the different relationships that have to be, you know, a transition for for the the different dynamics in various relationships when somebody comes out, and it's. It's not a simple kind of thing to do. It, it's quite complicated. But Val is a pretty stable kind of person. So she's grounded. And even though she's at this point in her life, she's a retired dentist. She's recently divorced from a man who she, she was married to for many years. And she raised two children, a son and a daughter. And she loved motherhood and she cared for her husband, but she always had that, that other thing out there that she just knew she needed to explore. So it's been an exploration. It's been, it's been a really interesting journey, but I think what, what the challenge for me was, was just to try to, to bring as much truth to her world and as she, and it's the unknown how has playing Val in Queering help you to better understand the problem of biphobia as well as the struggles and rewards of coming out in middle age? Well, when you're older, people have seen you in, in a certain way for many, many years. So everyone in Val's world, her children, her husband, her best friends, her neighbors, all of that, they've seen her as this person that they thought that she was. So it's difficult for everyone to adjust to change. I don't 
You know, I don't think that change is necessarily easy for any of us. And if this is a huge change, even though she's still a wonderful mother and, and she's still a wonderful friend and she's still all of these other dimensions to her personality. It's just her sexuality is something that is, is changing and she's trying to figure out and explore. But it's almost like everyone around her is hyper-focused on that one area and it's hard to remember that she's still Val in so many other areas. And, and um, it's quite an adjustment for not only Val, but for the people around her. And I think that Val some naive in believing that it was going to be a little easier once she out. You know, once you, you know, um, you put it out there. But then she finds out that living out is also very challenging and fearful. I mean, there, I, I understood a little, just a little bit of the, the fear that gay and lesbian and bisexual people go through because of other people's reactions and, and other people's fears. And sometimes those come out, can come out in a destructive kind of way. So... I was really surprised at the vulnerability that you, that you feel as far as the way other people are going to react to you. And that's the most unique part about the whole setup of queering, where you have your daughter, played by Grasso, reacting in such a hostile way to your coming out. Now, in real life, while it's very common for younger people to come out to their older parents and for older straight parents to react negatively to them coming out, in this series, De Bortoli reversed that situation while examining how biphobia, as seen through Harper, exists in the LGBTQ community. Now, how did De Bortoli's unique approach to that story and the characters influence the way you played Val in the series? I found that really interesting, and that's something that I, I wasn't aware of, is that they, they also have um, that kind of attitude in the gay and lesbian community towards bisexuals. And Val even says in queering to Sophia, we we are a thing, a, a bisexuality. We do matter. We do count, and and they're they're just sort of discarded. And um, there's a lot of shame that goes on with that. And it, it was very interesting to to see that because it's like either you're a lesbian or you're not. You know, you don't. It's almost like, okay, well, you can't have it both ways. Because it seems like, well, at least in querying the story is is that a bisexual woman usually will go back to a man and have broken many hearts of, you know, their partners or bisexual partners or female partners. So that was really interesting for me to learn and to just experience that as an actor and to realize that it is, it's very difficult and it's so complicated and um, it's, it's a lot harder than I thought it um, was. And I mean, it's, I think it's made me a, a better person and given me a better understanding and so I've just tried to be sensitive to all of um, the different changes and the different transitions that are going on in her life, but also being aware of the interactions between family members and with friends, because when her best friend snubs her and she, she thought her best friend would always be there by her side and her best friend, Kathy, you know, attended the gay pride parade every year for Christ's sake. So it's, you know, it was 
It was a hard blow when Val realized that it's not going to be the same. In what ways has your role on queering, as well as the series overall, helped viewers to overcome their biphobia and audiences who've dealt with biphobia from others? We have had so many positive comments on YouTube from, of course, the uh, the gay and lesbian community and the bi and bisexuals, and so many bisexual women have commented about how it has it has given them strength and courage to feel better about themselves and to come out and to live out, and and it's also. I think helped the lesbian community to see how harsh maybe we can judge bisexuals. And, you know, we've just had so many positive comments about how the show has helped people in the community look at how they've treated other people, treated each other, and even some of them treated their their parents coming out at, later in life. And I know for me, queering is is enjoyed by straight people. I have so many straight friends and colleagues and family members that have watched it and, and they love it because it's not like it's, you know, in your face and it's not, you know, soft porn or anything like that. It's so well done. And Leticia has a wonderful way with her writing to to address these very difficult topics, very sensitive topics, but she does it with a lightness and with humor and with compassion. And I think that that in itself, the writing is what is giving viewers an opportunity to slip into the lives and in of these characters into Val's shoes and to have a little bit more compassion and to open up their eyes and their heart a little bit more because they're, it, it is a great series for not just people in the community, but for straight people too, because they become attached to these characters. And, and they're such interesting characters. I mean, not just Val, but I mean, Sophia is wonderful and very different from Val. And then you've got Diana O's character, Devin, who is hilarious. And she's, you know, she's just a brilliant artist herself. And and you're bringing in the Asian American community with her. And of course, Sophia is um, Italian American. So there's a lot of diversity in the cast. And of, of course, our crew and our writer and director is Brazilian. So there's a lot of different um, types of people and um, lots of different ideas. And our cinematographer, Tulio Ferrero, is actually Leticia's um, professor from from school. So he mentored her and educated her and trained her and wanted to, and think so much of Leticia that he was willing to, to fly. He lives in Madrid now, but uh, he was willing to fly to New York to shoot this for her for both seasons. And he's on board for the the movie. So it's just a great collaborative effort from a lot of different types of people who have a passion for this story and for the lives of these women and to tell this story. And I think the viewers can relate to, to all of this. And there's somebody in the show that just about everybody can relate to. And it's about not just about being gay or being bi, it's about relationships and it's about the struggles that we have in life. And it's a, it's about how we support one another and love one another and sometimes hurt one another. So the, the writing is, I think, where it all starts. And um, that's what the viewers have related to. 
As I mentioned earlier, you collaborated with Di Bortoli as an associate producer for the second season of Queering, and the company that you run, Her Little Red Productions, is also co-producing the series. What has that experience and that partnership taught you, not just about the demands of filmmaking as a craft, but also the responsibilities, both creative and socially, that come with a show like Queering? As a producer, obviously you want your product to be successful. You want your product to be seen. You want it to be appreciated and enjoyed. And you want it to to be lucrative. So I jumped on the bandwagon towards the end of season one when I, after we had shot and then I I saw what, what she had. And I thought, you know, this, this, this could go, this is really worthwhile. And even if it doesn't make a bunch of money or whatever, I don't, I don't really do this business for the money, obviously, but, um, you know, I think it's just an, an important story. And, um, I came in on the end of season one and actually, um, funded some film festival submissions because, you know, everything you do costs money, whether it's the pre-production, the actual shooting of the project, and then you've got the post-production. And then after you've got all of that done, then you need to try to, you know, get it out there. And the best way for somebody on our level to get it out there is to submit it to film festivals unless, you know, we get really lucky and somebody out there shows it to somebody who has a passion for this kind of project, which there are a lot of people that do. So maybe somebody in your audience has some connections. But um, so I funded some film festivals and one of them was South by Southwest. So when we got into South by Southwest, it was huge because it's probably the third largest and most respected film festival in the country. You've got Sundance, then you've got uh, Tribeca and then and South by. So that was a big boost for us, and it was a big green light for Leticia to put in the work and keep writing about these characters. So season two was just a blast. But the, the, the problem, when you don't have a budget, <laughs> Leticia is doing way too much, and she needs to be focusing on directing and tweaking the writing and working with us actors. And she's over there trying to find the prop that we need. And, you know, between her and a fir- we did have a first AD in season two, but it, it's still just a skeleton crew. So those are the challenges that you face on the production side is okay, well, you know, we have to wrangle our people and we've got transportation and where, where are people going to stay? And, um, you know, what's the best time to, to shoot the subway scene? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and all those kinds of things. So, um, it is, it is a labor of love is all I can say. And you have to really love this business and, and this art and, and craft and to, to do it, because if not, then uh, you're not going to be a happy camper because you're literally filming till wee hours of the morning and you get no sleep. But it's just for that, temp, you know, for a short period of time while you're trying to create something wonderful that we can all be proud of and that, you know, something for our fans. And it definitely is a show that you can all be proud of. As I mentioned her Little Red Productions, which is your production company, is co-producing season two. How has this show helped to fulfill not only the creative mission of that studio, but also your creative goals as an actor? This, the filming of season two was such a family feeling because we had already wrapped season one. You know, we, 
we had done that. We all knew each other really well. We knew how Leticia and Tulio worked. So season two was like a family reunion. Chris, it was just so wonderful because we all love this project. We love our characters. We love the writing. And when you've got, I mean, whether, you know, you're helping produce or not, when you've got great writing as an actor, that's, that's the magic. That is, that's when you feel like you're actually, you know, losing yourself in this character. And it's such a creative outlet. And um, I mean, it's something that I have to have and I, I have to do. And I'm very grateful for that. So I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm in a position where I can help out a little bit financially to make sure that, you know, our actors get paid a little something, the ones that, that have got to be paid and our crew, of course, has to be paid and we have to be fed and housed and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it, it's just so fulfilling for me, number one, because I love all of these people. I mean, I'm like the mama and um, I also love supporting female filmmakers and female-driven projects and that's been a passion of mine for many years. I mean, I'm, I'm an old broad now and and I just love being around these young women and, and I'm inspired by them and their courage and their fearlessness at, at such a young age. So it's just a win-win for me and I'm just so proud and honored to be part of queering the queering family. And I think the fans feel the same way. I mean, you know, they're waiting. Everyone's getting, you know, a little frustrated with the delays that we've got in our in our country, in our world with, with this virus. But of course, you know, everyone's health is number one priority. But the, the fans are anxious to find out what's, where's Val going? You know, in the finale of season two, it's like, what is she up to? What is she going to do? And what's going on with Sophia and Devin hmm. and Mackenzie and, you know, Isabel and all of these different characters that we brought into to season two. So it's just a win-win for me. And it's just a blessing that I even got involved with this group of people in this show. We've already talked about how queering has impacted you on a professional level. How has it impacted you personally? You know, it's been interesting because, you know, most of the people that I know have been very supportive of my acting career. But I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I, I live in the South and I'm originally from the South. And in, sometimes in the smaller towns, some of the characters that I have played are a little bit shocking to, to some people that maybe, um, you know, haven't uh, been around lots of different people. So whether it's playing a bisexual woman or uh, I'm sure, you know, I play a homeless woman in the Cobra Kai series oh. that you had mentioned earlier. I'm homeless Lynn in the Karate Kid Cobra Kai series. <laughs> you know, the majority of the people are um, very supportive and have seen queering and they love queering because it's a great show. And, and, and likewise, they've seen homeless Lynn. Honestly, I've gotten more, um, not negative comments, but shock just people are shocked that I would play a homeless woman with rotten teeth so you know what once I've done that you know playing a bisexual character or you know it's like um and then I, I played a you know I like I like to play crazy women too so people are kind of they've been on this ride with me for a while and on this journey and I think it's been great for some of the people um 
in the in our small town that really aren't used to watching a lot of different types of shows and being around a lot of different types of people. I think it's been good for them and opened up their eyes to to what people go through and we're, we're all human beings and we're trying to do the best we can and get through this life and you know to to have some understanding and maybe not be quite so judgmental. I think it's helped me to to not be quite as judgmental, you know, about people because you never know what somebody is going through, you know, whether whether it's their sexuality that they're trying to figure out or you know they're on the street homeless. I mean, even those people have got, you know, quite the story. They didn't just end up there. So, um, yeah. So anyway, what are your hopes for querying success, not only as a web series, but as a means of helping people, including those who come out later in life, as Val does in the series, to understand and to be comfortable with their sexuality? Well, I'm obviously not an expert on that. I mean, <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I, my goal is to slip into the skin of this woman, Val, and to try to bring truth to the words that Leticia has written on the page. So that is my focus and my goal. And hopefully through Val's strength and courage and just being so grounded, that will help give someone else the strength and the courage to live their life and to be who, who they are and who they're meant to be rather than um, always trying to be someone that we're not, you, you know, as watching Queering, she was called Casserole Val, which she didn't really care for at all. But that's kind of the name that, um, you know, her dad and people in the neighborhood and, and you know, and I, and I say to Sophia, I say, you know, and I know I'm, I don't want to be Casserole Val. And Sophia's like, mm. Casserole Val? What? Who is Casserole? Nobody calls you Casserole Val. Who calls you that? And uh, Val says, people, people call me that. <laughs> so she's really done with that image and that whole playing plan the game of, of being someone that she's not. So I think that the viewers um, find out about Val and, and, you know, how strong she may be or may need to be season two towards the end and I hope that that gives other people coming out later in life um, not only a little a little more you know pizzazz in their step you know to, to to be a little more gutsy and fearless and all of that but you know to keep a sense of humor and I know in my life because I've, I've certainly had a lot of challenges. I mean, if I didn't have my sense of humor, Chris, I just think I would lose my mind. So I think that that's one reason querying is so delightful. It's just so rich and it's multidimensional and, and it's got all of the different elements that I need as a viewer and as an actor to be able to sink my teeth into something and and to to feel inspired and empowered by characters and it and it all starts with the writing so it's all starting with Leticia. Finally talk about some of the other projects you're working on right now and when and where we can see them. Well we are patiently awaiting the release of season three of Cobra Kai that of course is the continuation of the Karate Kid movies with the same characters and as we said earlier, I play Homeless Lynn, this homeless character who lives outside 
of the Cobra Kai dojo that the characters Johnny Lawrence opened, reopened in season one. So we're waiting on that release, but season one and two is also on YouTube and has just, you know, it's just blown up. It's just um, so huge and so successful. And I'm just absolutely thrilled to be a small part of this series. I mean, it, it, the fans are absolutely incredible. So we've got that. And then this past week, um, I, I was in a couple of scenes in a movie called Huawei Joe that stars David Strathern, the Oscar-nominated yeah. actor David Strathern, and also Jeffrey Dean Morgan from The Walking Dead. And I, uh, David plays Walkaway Joe, and I play his ex-wife, Maggie. So that, um, that came out on VOD last week. And the week before, a Lifetime movie called Dying for Motherhood um, came out, and I play the um, the director of the adoption agency. So you can kind of figure out what that Lifetime movie is about. But that's fun. And I've got, um, as you mentioned earlier, um, the film I'll Be Here for a While is on this, the festival circuit right now. And we just found out that it was selected to uh, premiere at the Maryland Film Festival, which is a very reputable festival, and that that that's where I I do portray the the mother with Alzheimer's. So we've got that, and um, I'm trying to think. I mean, you can go on my IMDb, which is Susan Gallagher. You just go to imdb.com, which is the Internet Movie Database, mm -hmm. imdb.com, and just put in Susan Gallagher. Um, so I've got, you know, I, I've um, just found out during this dark time, I got some great news, which I'm very grateful for, that I just booked a recurring guest starring role on a series that is shooting up in Atlanta. And we were supposed to shoot in April, obviously weren't able to do that. But um, the, the, uh, the person behind this is, is um, taking very strict safety measures for all of the cast and crew. So when it's time to film, you know, I'm not going to stress about it. I'm going to, I'm going to um, be confident and looking forward to that. That's, and I did, uh, uh, and yeah, NCIS New Orleans, that, that uh, um, is out there too on, um, I think it's NBC. Yeah. And that was a nice guest starring role where I played this ex-con madam, uh -huh. um, so that that was great, you know. Um, and then I was in Bluff City Law and, like you said, Outsider. So, you know, I've been very fortunate, Chris, and I, I'm so grateful to to be able to work and um, hope that everyone is staying safe out there and healthy, and we'll get through this terrible time that we're going through. And there there'll be some silver linings, and I think we'll be stronger for it. And we will too. And I wish you and your family and friends all the best, and I hope you are all staying safe as well. Thank you so much. One last thing. Where can people follow you on social media? On Instagram, it's I am Susan Gallagher. And on Facebook, it's Susan Gallagher. But some of the fans from the Cobra Kai series have started another page on Facebook called Homeless Lynn Theories and Spin-Off Ideas is an absolute hoot. I mean, <laughs> you know, just, I think it's been a great creative outlet for the fans and for me to just 
laugh and come up with crazy ideas of what would Lynn, what would homeless Lynn do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to, to have a nice distraction during all of this stress. So um, check us out on Homeless Lynn Theories and spinoff ideas. And then Twitter. I try to tweet, but I'm not the greatest at social media, I'll be honest. But I'm trying. Um, you'll see, I just put stuff out there incorrectly, but I do put stuff out there. And that's Susan Gallagher at Susan L. Gallagher. And then my website is um, www.susangallagher.com. And where can people go to see those homeless Lynn theories and spinoff ideas? <laughs> it's on Facebook. It's a riot. It's an absolute riot. They come, you will, I mean, it's just crazy. They come up with all of these different. <laughs> I mean, they've even got, like, instead of Mona Lisa, they've got um, uh, Lynn Lisa or Mona Lynn, or I can't even remember, but it's, it's my face it's, instead of Mona Lisa's face. It's in her body, and, um, you know, <laughs> instead of Lysol, now we have Lynn-Saul, and my picture is on the can of the Lysol, and... I mean, I, I just can't even tell you that, I mean, it's hilarious. It's absolutely a riot. And I just love them. I mean, the, the Karate Kid fans, which are now the Cobra Kai fans, are so wonderful. And they just, they love these shows. And um, I mean, it's their passion. You know, they dissect every every line, every word. And the writers of Cobra Kai, the big three are so brilliant that um, you know it, it's it's done really well, and I'm I'm grateful to be part of it. Susan Gallagher is the co-star and associate producer of Queering, and you can check out both seasons of this acclaimed LGBTQ web series on YouTube. Just search for Queering, just search for Queering web series there, and you'll find it. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to talk about your work on Queering and all these great other projects. And I wish you all the best with everything. You oh, thank you on. so much. It was my pleasure and love to everyone and stay safe. Indeed. You too. Thanks. You're welcome. For now, that's the Viewfinder Podcast. I'm Chris Hadley. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, no matter where you are, please stay safe, stay strong, and stay put.